Good morning, guys. Our time is almost up. Is it? Does it feel that way? I love the words that came out. It was so uh, confirmation. I think of what I'm feeling in my heart, and I, I was very sure till late yesterday that the Lord wanted to share something else. And then, when I was sitting at His feet, I felt Him whispering something else, and um, it's so in line with what. Malani said, and um, the Lord speaks to me through secular songs. <laughs> I don't know why, and it's not, I don't listen really to secular music, but um, maybe from my child, he's, he's going to that little toolbox in my head, and uh, I, was, I was sitting and preparing and waiting on the Lord and reading Bible and enjoying Him. And, and I heard him starting to sing a song over me, which, which brought me to what I wanted to share with you this morning. And um, you know that song, You've lost that love and feeling. Oh, that love and feeling. And I went to Google the lyrics, actually. <laughs> yeah, Nick is singing his heart out there. You never close your eyes anymore when I kiss your lips. There's no tenderness. And I'm like, okay, what do, you want, what do you want to say? And I felt like this morning, I wanted to ask you a question. I wanted to begin with that. And the question is simple. Have you lost your one thing? Have you lost your one thing? You can, you can go, it's so easy. We all know this. You can go a lifetime through church, reading Bible with a heart locked up, never experiencing the depth of intimacy that you are invited to walk in. Going through religious activities and motions, but with a disconnected heart. A couple of weeks ago, I was ministering to our, I'm in PM, and we were ministering, Sons and I were ministering to our kids in kids' church, and I asked them three little questions, and um, obviously, if you want to do a an exegesis of this and you want to do like a theology, theological unpacking of it, there's a lot more but to say, but I want to keep it simple so the first question I asked is why did God make you? the second question I asked was what does He want most from you? and the third question I asked is how do you give that to Him? how do you grow in that? And so I asked the first question and I said like why did, why did He make you? What's the point? What's the purpose of your life? Why did he make you? And it was interesting to hear the kids talking about this concept, right? So most of them were like, he made me to do something for him. I was like, that's true, but it's not true. He made you because he wanted you. Right? That's where we begin. Ages ago, before time began, there was a desire within his heart for you. So I sat them down. I said, no, he made you because he wanted you. To do what? What does he want most of you? Now, that was an interesting question. And I went through them all, and they were like, 
uh, he wants me to do that. That's why he wants me to do this and he wants me to do that. And I'm like, I hear what you're saying, but what does he want most? And the answer to that question, even though there's many, the one I gave them was connection. So he made you because he wanted you. The thing he wants most from you is a heart connected to his. You are the only creature created by God that's call, its purpose is to mine the treasures in God. You were designed for intimacy. You were made for Him. That's the point of life is knowing Him. Listen to this. God did not make you to save you. He made you for intimacy. And some of you need to move beyond the story of your redemption. And some of you need to find the one who dreamed about your salvation. The one who dreamed about your life. There's an ache in his heart for deeper. I loved what Jesus said in John 17, 3. Listen to this. That's a, it's a powerful prayer. And you need to actually contemplate and meditate on that prayer. Make it a lifelong journey. But it's the famous verse that this is eternal life, that you may know Him. Jesus actually goes further than that. He says, the Father has given me authority to give eternal life. And then he unpacks what this eternal life is that the Father has given him authority to give. And the eternal life that the Father is giving him authority to give is this, that you now can and must and should know God intimately. By giving him authority, what's actually happening is now you, through faith, by grace, in Christ, he has now called you to share in his intimacy with the Father. No longer from a distance. This is eternal life. Not that you go to heaven. I mean, that we're glad. The point is knowing. Knowing Him. You were made to discover this beautiful God. I'll be brief. I'm going to jump and leave a lot of stuff out. But um, Philippians 3, 8 to 9, you guys know that so well. Is it on there? Thank you so much. Indeed, listen to Paul's words. <laughs> Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and listen to that. And count them as rubbish. I love that. In order that I may gain Christ. I count all things loss. The moment Paul speaks about cost, I was reminded of when Jesus was calling his disciples to him and all those who were around 
and, and he's trying to say, if you want to follow me, you've got to count the cost. You've got to, you've got to weigh. So when Paul speaks in Philippians, what he, I see this picture. This is what you're getting. You see a picture of a scale, and on the one side are all your dreams, the things you love. Everything is on the one side, and on the other side, there's Christ. And Paul goes, now that I've put everything on the scale, he outweighs them all. Everything I thought I loved, everything I thought I wanted, compared to him, compared to knowing him, I, I see it as rubbish. You see, because cost speaks of a value system. A value system. I love the words of Jesus. It brings chills to me. But in the gospel, he speaks of if you love them more than me, you are not worthy of me. So one question I want to leave with you is, what do you love more than him? What, what is that thing in your life where you put it on the scale next to Christ, it balances out? Or it will take priority above him. What is that thing in your life that you reach for more? That you need more? That you love more? You see, Paul is going after those things. I've weighed. I've counted the cost. Compared to him. So my question, and now I get to the heart of the thing. Have you lost your one thing? Psalm 27.4. I actually want to jump to a beautiful portion of Scripture, but I'll get to that now. Oh, this is King David. I mean, the other day we were making calculations of how much money he gave of his own to the building of the temple, to the sacrifices made when they brought the ark back. He's talking trillions. Man who had everything, listen to these words. One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after. One thing, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, that I may be with him, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, that I may know him, and to inquire in his temple that I may serve him. One thing. I was thinking about Revelation 2, the, the letter to the church of Ephesus, the first letter written. And first is always speaking of where it's in the importance category. First letter to the church of Ephesus. You do all these things well, but I have one thing against you. You've forsaken, you've lost your first love. You've lost your one thing. You've lost your one thing. You're going through the motions, Ephesus. You, you, you come at the right time, you pack out your chairs, you, you serve in the worship team, you serve the coffee station, you do sound, you do AV. You're a community leader. 
you pray every morning. But I have one thing against you is you have forsaken your first love. You've lost your connection. You're missing the point. The point of all this is to know me. The point of all this is to know me. You go through your religious activities and cycles almost frantic-like, but you can hardly stay at my feet for an hour or gaze on me for half an hour. I said it again. I want to say it The heart can go a lifetime locked up in religious performance without ever really learning how to commune with God, how to talk to God, how to rest in God, and to know Him deeply. You have to to move past the story of salvation, and you need to get to know the one who dreamed it up was dreaming for you. And I want to get to, this is actually, the, I was rushing through because it's a little thing, but I love this thing. Luke 10, 38 to 42. And I, you don't have to read it. You don't have to put it on. Thank you so much. But uh, I'll tell you the story. It's well known. I got my first time teaching in just Gen, as a just Jenna, I taught on Mary and Martha. And afterwards, Andrew had to bring balance and tension to me. So I, I know today is not playing off Martha against Mary kind of thing. But I wanted to highlight Mary to you. You all know the story. Martha invites Jesus into her home, and when Jesus comes, he doesn't come alone. Right? There's disciples, there's crowds following him. If you invite Jesus into your home, you need to know that roofs will be lifted, the dead will be brought to your front door. Just let him be there long enough. He, he's, got a, he's got a fan club, and he's in town. Right? And so Martha feels the pressure. Jesus is in her house. And everyone is invited. And she's kind of overwhelmed. And our vips ourselves for our sissy. Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. I was listening to someone teaching on this the other day and it so overwhelmed my heart and, and, and feeling the pressure of having him here with everything that comes with him she calculates what still needs to happen and who's here to help her and there she sees Mary sitting with a love gaze an adoring gaze listening to every word. Mary is in trouble. Because her family context is, you need to come help me. You know your place. And have you noticed that in your life when you started following Jesus with all your heart? Close friends and family, they just couldn't understand. Why are you going to church again? Martha was just, she couldn't understand. But it's a barrier Mary had to push through. She felt the expectation of her sis. 
but she couldn't move. And the second barrier was a social one because women weren't allowed to sit at rabbi's feet. It was a place reserved for men. But there's Mary. Not helping. And the second thing is, Mary, you're bringing a dishonor to me because you know women is not allowed to sit there where you're sitting. But Mary, I think Jesus maybe saw Mary like conflicted thinking, okay, maybe I should go help. I don't want to. I'm so in love with you. And I could almost see like when Mary started getting fidgety, wrestling, calculating, Jesus defended her. And he's not rebuking Martha. When he say Martha, Martha, it's, a, it's gentle. Say, Martha, you're distracted with many things, much serving. You know what Jesus was saying to Martha is, I want you more than the food you can prepare in the kitchen. I didn't come to eat from your table. I came because I wanted you. Mary got it. And Jesus defends and say, no, Martha, she chose the best part. It's me. And it will not be taken from her. You know what he's really saying to Mary? Don't go. Just stay. I love it when you are here with me. Stay. And this is, and this is where I wanted to. This is the thing that stirred in me yesterday. I, was, I, was, I felt like, I almost said to Sonia, when I felt like Martha. And I felt like I've lost that love and feeling. When the Lord sang it of me, I felt like I lost my adoring gaze, my lovesick look, the softness in my face, the joy of looking upon, of eating from Him, of being with Him. I was crying out for a, a road to Emmaus experience yesterday. I said, Jesus, break the bread again. I want to see you. I want to know you. Bring back to me that adoring gaze, that lovesick look, that desire to be with you. Let it consume me. Let it, let it be violent in my soul. And this is this one guy said, and I loved it, but see Mary quickly sitting in love. Every word. It's a like a hammer. She looks at him. She's seen him move. She, he has everything. It's as if Jesus almost wants to say to Martha, Martha, look at Mary. Do you see that look on her face? You see that look, Martha? I know that look. It's the same look Moses had when he looked into the burning bush. It's the same look David had when he gazed on the glory of God, my presence. It's the same look Isaiah had when he had the revelation of Jesus. It's the same look that was on John the Baptist's face when his eyes opened and he saw me coming. It's the same look, Martha. See, 
Look at Mary. Her eyes are soft. There's a longing in her gaze. I saw it in his eyes, Moses, when the bush was burning. I saw it in his eyes on the mountain when he said, show me your face. It's the same look. Have you lost your one thing? Have you lost your adoring gaze, your lovesick gaze, your love gaze? And so I'm landing the plane. Do you need to, do you need to rekindle your romance with God? Mike Davis, he last week spoke at, like, you know, he came to teach at our in PM, Sunday PM. And he, he came to the front and he said, I've got a message in my heart from the Lord to you. It's time to rekindle your romance with God. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. We slip away so quickly. We get distracted so easily. We become familiar too quick and we lose the wonder, the joy, the desire, the longing, the ache. Do you remember when you were in love? Some of you still are. Nonsense, you are still in love. Nick and Belinda, Nick is touching her hand. Belinda's like, behave. Do you remember how you used to look at one another? Do you remember when you first gave your heart to the Lord and, you, and His presence just came in like a whirlwind? It just, it's almost painful how beautiful it is. Do you remember the way you used to look at Him in worship? You were the first one to lift your hands. Say, I love you. You were the first one on your knees. You were the last one to complain and give your opinion. Have you lost your one thing? Do you still have a heart connected to His? The point of life is to know Him. That's why you were made fearfully, wonderfully in the womb. Oh, man, I'll end with this story. We were watching the Rugby World Cup. I think most of you watched it, right? And Gilan, my middle boy, was on my lap. And I'm explaining to him what's happening and the tension builds and some kid was screaming into Milani's ear. And, and I, it's like everything is tense and passionate. And, and I felt him relaxing into my arms and then you know he's falling asleep, right? So he's relaxing into my arms. And the next moment, just before he fell asleep, he turned his head up to my face and he kissed me on my cheek. And he said, he whispered, he said to me, Daddy, I love you. The highlight of the World Cup final was that kiss. I could have gone home. 
And I realized something as he kissed me. It felt like this Lord spoke to me. I realized something because we disqualify ourselves too easily. That love in his heart for me is still immature. He's nine. His love is immature. But did that love, did that kiss move my heart? It did. Your smallest attempts towards his face rocks his world. Don't disqualify yourself. Don't say you're there and they're there. Just come in for the kiss. I loved it. Mike said, spoke on the life of Peter. And where Jesus restores Peter on the beach, Peter is like, I denied him. I mean, I was the, I must have such shame. He was the one pulling out swords and said, I'll never leave you. And he's the first one to run. He sits on that beach and Jesus, do you love me? Do you love me? And the last time, do you love me, Peter? He uses the word phileo. Peter goes like, you know, all things. You know what Jesus was saying to him? There'll come a time where you will go where you don't want to go. Jesus was speaking about his death. But Peter didn't hear, you're going to die for me. Peter heard Jesus say this, your love was small. But one day, your love will be agape. One day, Peter, you love me the way I love you. And you will die for me because of that love. I am so committed to you, Peter. You, your love will become consuming. It's small now, but you will grow. Because Peter, your point of your life is to know me, to love me. So I wanted to ask you, maybe just close your eyes for a moment. I actually want us to sing a song, but in response, but I, I want you to just quiet your heart for a moment. I want you to ask this question, have you lost your one thing? Have you lost your love gaze? Are you frantic? running around your religious activities but your heart is locked he wants to come and open he wants to come and wash your eyes with his majesty he wants to come and kiss your heart with his fiery love he wants to come and awaken you to him And if you feel anything and you want to respond to that, it's where you are. I'm going to start singing a little chorus. and I want to sing it as a prophetic declaration, proclamation, as a prophetic word. I want to sing it over my life as a reminder.
I want to sing it as a lover. Does he need to come and rekindle your romance with him? Won't you dance with me, oh, song of all songs come romance me come and romance me sing this with me with all your heart come and dance lover come and dance with me oh lover of my soul to the song of all songs come and roll stand as we close. Just will you lift your hands to the love of your soul.